Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 6. Taking a little bit of a break from our series through the book of Matthew, which we've been in Matthew since Christmas of 2021, and uh, um, I was hoping that maybe uh, as Christmas time came around that I'd be to the resurrection by the time Easter got here. Well, I, I'm, I didn't make it. <laughs> so we'll have another resurrection sermon in a couple of months. But today, uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 5, and we're going to be talking about um, what the resurrection and the death of Christ mean for our lives. The resurrection of Jesus is the single most significant event in all of human history. Of course, we know our calendars are marked by the years since Christ was born. We don't do that for anybody else. We, um, that's just a minor fact. How do we even know what is real? What is true? How do we even know uh, that, that Christianity is the truth? That the Bible is trustworthy? I think it all comes down to the resurrection itself. Jesus rose from the dead. You look at other religions and you see different kind of philosophies. You see Islam and it has a founder that is dead. You see, Judaism, which we share so much in common with because we do have the Old Testament, we accept the Old Testament, and yet it's incomplete because everything in the Old Testament led towards Christ. Buddhism, it's just a philosophy Buddha is dead. And all the other religions, they're just philosophies about living. Christianity is unique because, along with Judaism, we are based in a historical reality. We look at real places, real things, real events that took place in space and time and history. One of the differences between Mormonism and Christianity is in Mormonism, you have all these different places, but none of them still exist. If you read the Book of Mormon, because it's all made up. But if you look at the Bible, you look at all these different places and you can go to Jerusalem, you can go to Jericho, you can go to all of these different places because it really happened. It historically happened in space and time and history. 
And the resurrection is the biggest thing of all. The resurrection, it's not just showing us that yes, these places really existed or these people really existed. The resurrection proves that Jesus really was who He said He was. With the resurrection, I saw the Babylon Bee this week. I don't know how many like that. I don't need to share it. If you, if you want to look up what they had, they had a little skit about uh, what, what the, the apostles' plan might have been if the resurrection hadn't occurred. And they were like, yeah, let's go steal the body and tell everybody he rose from the dead and then we'll all get brutally murdered. What's, what's the rest of it? No, that's it. We'll just get brutally murdered. <laughs> they really saw the resurrected Jesus. We have eyewitnesses. That's what... The apostles said they were eyewitnesses that he rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he appeared first to Cephas, which was Peter, and, and then to the other apostles. And, and he, was, he appeared to 500 people at one time. Jesus really walked around in flesh and blood. This was not just some kind of a spiritualized resurrection where his teachings lived on even though he was dead. No, he rose from the dead. He's still alive today. Jesus didn't raise from the dead like Lazarus only to live for a few more years and then die again. No, 40 days after the resurrection, we know that Jesus ascended into heaven. The apostles, again, they were eyewitnesses. They saw it with their own eyes. Jesus ascended into the heavens. And He's coming back again. The resurrection is the most significant event in all of history. It is the foundation upon which we can build everything else. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen... We don't need to be here. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But since the resurrection happened, I can face tomorrow. Since the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened, it changes everything. He really rose from the dead. He really is God. He really is the Lord of heaven and earth. And He is coming again one day to judge the world. Because Jesus rose from the dead, He deserves all of our loyalty, all of our worship, all of our obedience. We can talk about the resurrection every Sunday for the rest of time until He comes. Wait a minute, that's what we already do. Because we're not just here on Easter Sunday to worship the resurrected Jesus. No, that's what we do every Sunday. Every Sunday we come here and we do it on Sundays because Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. 
So how does this affect our lives? The text we're going to look at today tells us one of the ways of many. There are lots of ways that the resurrection affects our lives. But this is one of the ways that it affects our lives and how we live today. We'll begin in verse 5 of chapter 6 of Romans. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would um, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. May your word work like the prophecy of Ezekiel. Raising us up to life. Father, help us this morning to understand and embrace your word. Give me grace and strength as I preach it. In Jesus' name, amen. We have to pay a little bit of attention to the context here. In the previous verses, Paul had been talking about grace. Grace. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not our works. We are saved totally just by grace. And he, he talks about how because sin increased, grace increased. Now that takes a whole other sermon and maybe a book. <laughs> but someone raises an exact object, objection in verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And that's the objection some people have to the idea that we are saved by grace alone. Well, if you're just saved by grace, then why not just sin, sin, sin? Party it up. What does it matter how we live if it's all grace? Paul anticipates this objection and says, how can we who died to sin continue to live in it? He goes on from there. He talks about baptism. That's what baptism pictures. And I've talked about this when we've had baptisms. Lisa and Ron. Out of... Coffeeing Lake, about how baptism pictures three realities, a past, present, and future. About how when we 
go under the water it, in the, for the past, it symbolizes how Jesus died and was buried and he rose again. And presently in our reality, we have died with Christ. Our old man has died. We're burying that old man we used to be and we're raised to live a new life. New, different from the way we used to live. And it also pictures how we, when we, when we will one day die, assuming Jesus doesn't come first, we'll one day die, we'll be buried, and one of these days he's coming and he's going to split those graves open and we're going to come up and see him. So baptism pictures all these things. Now, baptism shows that we have been united with Christ. It doesn't do anything to actually unite us with Christ. Our faith does that. But it's an outward symbol of what has taken place within our hearts. When we have been born again, we have been united with Christ. Our old man has died and we have been raised to live a new life. And that's what this text is talking about today. Verse 5 For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. These two things are intertwined. That's what we see in this first verse. Our death with him is united to a resurrection with him. If he has come into our life, if we have been born again, our old man has died And if we know our old man has died, we also know this. Those two things go together. We will be raised. It says this in the past tense and the future tense. If we have been united with him in a death like his. Past tense. We will be raised with him in a resurrection like his. I think we can take this in both senses. We, 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 because we have died with Christ, we know we will raise again one day on the last day. But also, because we have died, because our old man has been put in the grave, because our old man has been crucified with Christ, we will live a new life. We live a new life that's different from the way we used to live before we came to know Jesus. The two are united. Secondly, he goes on to say in verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. One who has died has been set free from sin. We know this, Paul says. That's the first thing in this section. We know this. This is an objective fact. We can can grab a hold of this. This is true. We know We know that our old self, the person I used to be, 
the person you used to be before you came to know Jesus. That, that person, that old man that you used to be was crucified with Christ. Nailed to the cross with Him. When He died, He took that old man with Him to the cross. Along with all of your sins and my sins so that we would be free from sin. Our death means our freedom. And notice, He's talking about something that has happened already. He's not saying to us at this point, die. He's saying, we died. It's already happened. If you are a believer today, you died. Your old self, your old man, was crucified with Jesus. And you don't have to keep doing it over and over again. It's been done. You died. Your sin was taken to the cross and nailed there with Him. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. The body of sin might be brought to nothing. We were once slaves to sin. It was this power within us that we had no control over. And you know what Jesus' death did? As we are united with Him in His death, it brought it to nothing. It has no more power over us. We are no longer under the power of sin. So that the body of sin might, not be, might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. One thing we have to remember is we died. Our old man died. If you're trusting in Jesus, because what happens so often is we forget we died. We forget. And we just keep on living. We don't think about the fact that our old man is dead. And we start living like that old man. So Paul brings this to mind to remind us we died. It was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Verse 8. Now if we have been, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Here, Paul here is talking about another objective fact. Objective fact. We die. If you are believing in Jesus, if you have trusted in Him, if you've been born again, we die and there's a consequence to that. If we have died, we believe we will also live with Him. We will also live with Him. Not just in future glory. We live with Him today. If we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Like I said earlier, Christ did not die again 
like Lazarus. He rose from the dead. He was with his disciples and they watched him ascend into heaven. He didn't get just so high that he hit the atmosphere and died, burned into flames. No, that's not what happened. No, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And because he has defeated death, he will never die again. We are united to him, as verse 5 said, and if we're united to him, and we died with him, then just like Christ will never die again, so he preserves us and we will live with him. Continuing verse 8. We believe that, oh, verse 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death he died, he died to sin. Jesus had no sin. Whenever he died to sin, he took our sin on him. He took our sin on him. It was nailed to him on the cross. He took our sin on him and he died to that. Once for all. Oh, I love that word. Once for all. You didn't have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again. Like the sacrificial system of the Old Testament where they had to keep coming, bringing a lamb or a goat or a calf or something to sacrifice every year, all the time. No. Once for all. He died to sin once for all. It was enough. His death was enough that our sin passed present and future was all nailed to Him on the cross. Once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. As He's been saying since verse 5, we've been united with Him in a death like His, and certainly we will be united with Him in a resurrection like him His. So the consequence here. When it says, Jesus has died to sin, never to be defeated again, no longer under the dominion of death, and He's raised to live to God, so we are raised to live to God. No longer to ourselves, no longer to our old man, no longer to sin. Raised to live to God. Verse 11. So here, Paul finally comes around to the application. Everything from verse 5 to 10 has been, this is the truth. This is the truth. Jesus died. We were united with Him in His death. We were united with Him in His resurrection. The consequence of His death is that our old man died with Him. The consequence of His resurrection is that we will raise with Him to live a new life with God. And now, He comes around to what that means for how we live each day and make our decisions each day. 
he says, so you also must, this is a command, so you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I already kind of alluded to this. How do we fight sin? Do we white knuckle against addictions that we may face? Do we just have more willpower? Paul here is telling us the way we fight sin is remind ourselves of the fact that we died. Our old man died it was crucified with Christ and we have lived a new we are raised to a new life. This is not just a psychological game. It's the truth. We died. Our old man died, was buried, was crucified with Christ. And when we continue in sin, we are Dragging the lake for an old dead body. And letting that old dead body have control. Paul goes on to a few more verses that continue to spell this out. Verse 12 says, Let sin, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to obey its passions. How can we do this? How can we do this? How how can we let not sin reign in our mortal body? First of all, we have to be a believer. It has to be true about us that our old man died. Mm -hmm. But we have to remind ourselves, this is not who I am. This is not who you are. Remind yourself that you died, your sin Your old person that you used to be was taken to the cross and nailed with Him there. And you were raised to live a new life. No longer under the power and persuasion of sin. I love the way that the the New Testament letters are put together. The truth and the facts about what God has done in history always comes before the commands. Did you notice that about Scripture? He always gives the truth first and then the command. If we start with the command and we just say, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies, we are telling people, to keep rules that they may not even have the power to do. But the Bible always puts the truth first. Jesus died. And we died with Him. And our old man was crucified with Him at the cross. And because of that reality, because we have been raised with Him, we now have the power. We now have the ability to do what we couldn't do before. One more thing that I, 
I have to say, we do this imperfectly. How do I know that? Well, because Paul had to tell us. Paul had to tell us this. So I think when, when the Romans got this letter, they had people who were struggling with this. And Paul told them this because he needed to remind them what they needed to do. This doesn't just happen by accident. This doesn't just happen by osmosis or just sitting in a pew long enough. No. It takes us to be reminded over and over and over again because we are so forgetful. The truth is, I'll say it this morning, and by lunchtime, I'm going to forget it. Which is why it takes all the more vigilance. Remind yourself, day after day, you died. Your old man died. Taken to the cross with Jesus. When he rose, he brought you with him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.